Blog Talk Radio. And now on Blog Talk Radio, you're listening to Wine Talk with Stu the Wine Guru. Talk for tonight, Wednesday, April 25th, 2012. It's 11 p.m. Eastern, and I'm your host, Stu the Wine Guru, coming to you live from beautiful Coral Springs, Florida, as I always do. As you know, I'll take your calls anytime during the show at 1 646 381 4860 or email me your questions to at info at You can also go into my chat room here on the show page and chat with other wine enthusiasts or tweet me any questions you like at Stu the Wine Guru on Twitter, and I'll read them live on the show. I want to say thanks to all the listeners globally for getting the word out about my show. Welcome to all of you listening worldwide. I call that the power of the people meets the power of the Internet. Now, if you want to find out more about me, just Google Stu the Wine Guru. You can find the websites, the videos, the magazines, and the TV shows I'm currently a part of. Speaking of articles and reviews, I'm writing wine articles and reviews for Yahoo, Examiner.com, Simply the Best Magazine, and I recently inked a deal to be the contributing wine expert for Mode Lifestyles Magazine and host of Mode TV. Look for my first Mode Magazine article in the May-June issue coming out next week. Check out my next wine article in Simply the Best, the July-August issue, which is a lifestyle magazine available on newsstands, Barnes & Noble, and fine bookstores. Also, last but not least, all my wine articles are now available on any smartphone. Just download the Hello Vino app, and you can take my wine reviews and articles with you anywhere you go. Again, the number to call in, 1-646-381-4860, or if you're shy and prefer the computer, email me your questions to info at stewthewineguru.com. Tweet me your questions to at stewthewineguru on Twitter, and I will read them live here on the show. So, without further wait, I'm going to bring on my guest for tonight. He wears two hats. He's a top PGA pro golfer, and he makes incredible wine as well. Here are a few interesting factoids about him. Dave Frost learned, uh, teamed actually with Michael Allen last week to win the 2012 Liberty Mutual Legends of Golf event in Savannah, Georgia. With the $230,000 first place prize money, Frosty climbed from 28th to 9th place on the current uh, year champions tour money list. It was David's second career champion's tour title and the first in two years since winning the 2010 3M Championship in Minneapolis. Dave has won over two dozen worldwide professional golf titles over three decades of competition, including 10 PGA Tour wins, the last of which was the 1997 Colonial Invitational when David slayed the Tiger, beating out Tiger Woods and the top players in the world. David Frost owns the PGA Tour record for fewest putts in a 72-hole event with 92 at the 2005 Heritage Classic in Hilton Head, South Carolina. The name of this great wine company he has is Frost Wine. And now, David Frost, let me welcome him to the show. I'm here. You there? Hello. Yes, Fantastic. I'm here. How are you doing? Fantastic. How are you? Oh, not too bad, thanks. Uh, I, I was... Uh, I hope I got all that information in. 
Yeah, it was, uh, it was quite good. You had all the facts pretty, right. It's a pretty illustrious career, I must say, David. Um, but I want to welcome you to the show. I want to thank you for coming on tonight. And, uh, of course, first, congratulations on winning in Savannah last week. Uh, that's fantastic. Yeah, thank you. Um, you know, Michael is on a hot streak, and uh, I guess I'm fortunate enough to just be on his side. But, uh, yeah. you know, he couldn't have done it without me. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So let me let you know how this will go. I have people who email. Uh, some will tweet. Some will get into uh, – well, actually, I don't know if the chat room's working tonight. It, I don't think it's functioning. I'm having a little issue with it, but um, – but they'll all get in touch with me to ask questions of you. So um, I wanted to let you know I have my own questions as well. Um, the website for all uh, that is Frost Wines is www.frostwine.com. I urge you to go check it out. Uh, his wines uh, are on there, everything that he produces, as well as some nice stats about uh, your golf career too. So, um, so let me just start with some of my own questions first and foremost. So your family – was in the wine business and uh, got involved, I guess, at a vineyard. Um, what type of wines did your family produce? Um, well, my dad, he just had a, uh, a grape-growing sort of uh, vineyard. He didn't make yeah. wine. Um, okay, so and he delivered, delivered his grapes to the local co-op. Um, Excellent. He, um, he, had, uh, oh, he had the ordinary um, Chenin Blanc. Okay. And then we had Cabernet Merlot. And I remember, as a kid, I remember we had this wine, uh, it was called Steen. S-T-E-E-N. It's really okay. a South African varietal. But, but and, and let me ask you a question. So, did you know early on, I mean, I know that you helped out on the in the vineyard, but did you know early on that you were, you know, there were, you had a an interest in, in wine? I mean, th- or was it something that was kind of served regularly um, as in Europe? Well, no, I wouldn't say I had an interest in wine um, on the producing side. Um, mm-hmm. I just, uh, you know, in 94, you know, growing up on the, on the grape farm, I knew, you know, what it took when the grapes were ready, um, what the sugar levels meant, um, that you didn't want rain when the, when the ripening period was there. You know, those are the basics. And, but that's a lot um, to know, Dave. And, beg your pardon? I said that's a lot to know for the average, you know, yeah, kid yeah, growing but up. Yeah, but if you grow up seeing it and through the seasons, you understand that, you know, you get the down mode you, which you don't want. Um, and those are the kind of things you just learn to grow up with. Right. In the wine, in, in, in the, on the farm, you know. And... Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, I left the farm in 1978. I did my national service and um, I spent uh, then another two years uh, working as a, as a cigarette salesman uh, before I then turned uh, pro. Yeah. So, so, so how early on did you know, David, that you had a knack for playing golf? Well, I was a, I was a good amateur. I represented South Africa a couple of times. And um, and then the, on the one occasion when they left me out this side, um, I thought, no, that's not right. So I just said to to them, to the golfing body, I said, well, I've had enough of you guys. I'm going to turn pro. And that was the first time I really 
uh, gave it a shot and didn't really think I was good enough to make it as a pro. Well, okay, so take my listeners back. Where you're, how, what's your earliest memory? I mean, did your dad have you out there, you know, hitting balls, or was it something that you just said, um, hey, you know? No, it was I just something that I was very keen on as an amateur, and I was exposed to a lot of junior golfers as a, as a young, young golfer. From right. the age of, say, 13, 14, 15, my dad would drop us off at these local uh, foundation tournaments, we call them, uh, during the school vacations. And um, then he'd pick us up around about 3 or 4 o'clock and take us back up to the farm. So we were exposed to competitive golf at a young age. And uh, that sort of carried us through to to my you know my army days and after the army I was uh, a member at Royal Johannesburg where we played league. So you know those those are all the things I think that that helped to stay competitive and or that kept me competitive and played a lot of stroke play events. Mm-hmm. And then um, when I got the opportunity to you know to take the next step. Um, you know, I had been in the game competitively for, you know, a solid eight, nine years. Right. So if you look back so far, what has been, if you can remember, what do you think is the biggest challenge that you had during your, your, your golf career? I didn't know you were going to say wine or golf. Um <laughs> <laughs> the biggest challenge, I think, uh, well, to me the biggest challenge came when I sort of when I lost my card in 2005. Mm-hmm. Uh, prior to that, you know, I I went through the European tour 82, 83, 84. Then I got my card here in end of 84, and I played full time from 85 to 2005. And uh, I'd say from you know 2000 2005, my game wasn't what I wanted it to be, and, and in 2000. Six, I think it was. I, I didn't have a card. I finished 126 on the money list, and um, that was a challenge for the first time ever. I had to decide whether I was going to play golf or do something else. And and I thought myself, let me let me start in the wine business. So not start in the wine business, but but maybe focus on it a little more. And uh, I I took a year doing that, but. I really felt that golf was what I knew best. And then in 2007, I went back to the European Tour and played there, 07, 08, and 09. Got my card back in 07 and played there until I was eligible for the Champions Tour. Um, and I must say, those were two and a half great years that I spent in Europe, uh, you know, sort of rekindling all my old friendships there, destinations, new destinations, meeting the young you know, and playing with the young guys like McElroy and Martin Keimer. I mean, those sure. are the guys, uh, Lee Westwood, those are the guys I ended up playing with going back to the European tour. Um, sure. So, I mean, for that was a challenge losing my card here. But then I was fortunate enough to, my game just stepped up a notch when I got back to Europe and I got my card in the second week I was out there when I finished second in Madeira in 2007. Um, so right. I, I was so, fortunate that things went my way quite fast. So, what do you would you say early on in losing, let's say, the card? Um, was that an impetus 
is that was that an instigator to say, you know, maybe I want to try getting into the wine, or was the wine just something you said, you know what, I've always wanted to do this, even while I was playing golf. This was just good timing for me, or fortunate timing for me. No, because uh, I bought the winery in '94. Made my first wines in '97. '98, right. I took a Napa winemaker over there. So I've been in the distribution business since, and well, not the distribution, in the promotion business of the mm-hmm. wine since uh, since '99, when my first '97 vintage came over here. So from '99, 2001, two, three, you know, I was. I was dabbling in, in the business and trying to set up distributorship uh, distributors all over the country. So it wasn't it didn't just start in 2006 when my golf went down. Right. Uh, I was I was kind of in the business already, but I just thought I'd I'd take it full time. Now, but, what, let me ask you a question. Uh, what having to, having to do with that? So, what what do you feel? Um, I mean, you come to it with a great advantage that other sports figures who have gotten involved with wine, musicians, actors, celebrities, um, do not come with. Um, and that is obviously uh, having known all that information that we had talked about at the top of the of the interview early on in your in your life. So, I, do you, what what do you feel makes a great wine? I mean, what are the characteristics that you feel make a great wine? Well, I think what really makes a great wine is what grapes you try and grow in certain areas. Mm-hmm. Growing the wrong grapes in certain areas, you know, you're fighting an uphill battle from the start. Um, you know, growing a Sauvignon and a Pinot in New Zealand is going to be easy, but trying to do a big cab in New Zealand is not going to be easy. Uh, right. Same for this country, you know, trying to do big cabs up in uh, in Oregon, it's not going to work. Um, so you got to do your cabs in Napa. Um, you know, the... Uh, Shiraz, Shiraz does well in in Santa Barbara. Um, right. So, you know, for in, and so coming back to South Africa, for instance, just to portray that little picture, um, in the area that I grew up, um, because our summers are so long, our fruit can hang for a long time. Um, as a result, our Cas Milo Shiraz does really well where I'm from. Right. A little bit closer to the coast. Uh, we do better on the Shinnons and the Sauvignons. So, um, you know, it's almost easy to make a good wine if you're growing the right grapes in the right areas. Right. Um, and 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 for us, it's, it's just second nature to do to do the good Cab Merlot Shiraz um, and Sauvignon and Shinnons in South Africa. Right. What, so, so, and here's the funny thing. I have to tell you, here's, here's the juxtaposition. When I talk to winemakers, and I say, so, when you're not making wine, what are your hobbies? What do you think is the first thing I hear? Play golf. <laughs> exactly. So now uh, I have to ask you this question, and I think to myself, okay, when he's not playing golf and making wine, is there a room for hobby? Yeah, no. I mean, golf, great. You know, we can you can play golf socially. You know, it's hard right. doing your wine business socially because um, it feels like work. Um, uh, so for me, you know, it's like I didn't want the guys that worked on the farm to play golf because they could play golf and they should be doing their wine. <laughs> should be making the wine. Exactly. Um, yeah. Um, you know, so 
I mean, it's a great uh, it's a great mix, I'd say. You know, all these country clubs and, and, and pro-am partners that I play with, you know, they love wine, and um, I try and, you know, um, try and get some of my wine to them in the States that is convenient. Um, and everyone wants to talk wine, and I enjoy talking about it. You know, that and golf is easy. It's easy to talk about wine and golf. You know, in, in order to sit and, and demonstrate a golf swing, he's not going to have, but he can talk about the wine. Yeah, and I, I tell you, you have the best of both worlds, really. I mean, because you, you're you're extremely knowledgeable in both uh, aspects, and you're making great wine, and uh, you're playing great golf. So, I mean, <laughs> there is um, really much. Yeah, I think the thing that's hurt me the most is I, I've never really found a committed importer into the U.S. Um, okay. Um, I have I have uh, people in in in, uh, in Texas in in Houston that that uh, sort of contract an importer and he brings my wine in from South Africa. Um, apart from that, I haven't, you know, I don't have a committed importer, um, you know, that wants to commit to maybe 10, 15,000 cases so I can go ahead and, you know, um, start producing that much wine. Um, so I'm just kind of, as I say, just dabbling in it, but, you know, do two, 3,000 cases a year and, um, um, I, you know, it'll give me something to do when I when I get to a stage where my golf sort of slows down. Like there are a lot of guys right. in the Champions Tour who who uh, are still out there because they've got nothing else to do. Right. Um, they can, you know, if you're a tire, you can play ten tournaments, ten or eleven, I think it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but what do you do in those off off weeks? You know, you're off for you know forty weeks of the year. What do you do? Sure. And I'd love to. I'd love to be able to, you know fall back on, on, on the wine stuff um, when that come, when that time comes. Let me ask you a question. So so what was the most rewarding win? And I, I say this both emotionally and monetarily for your career to date. Oh, um, well, there are, there are a few, I think. Uh, it's so hard to uh, distinguish between, you know, one or the other. Um, almost the the first time in the U.S. was my um, playoff against Bob Trey in 1988 at the Southern Open. Right. And then, uh, and then a couple of months later, I won in Tucson. Um, you know, they were they were both really special, especially the first one. That was really special. I finished the second eight times before I won. And right. um, I remember playing a. I think we were playing a uh, practice round, and Ed Fiore said to me on the first tee. He says, hey, boy, it's about time you win a tournament. And uh, I actually won that week. And then the next week he saw me and he said, geez, you took me literally, didn't you? So <laughs> that was really good. That's and then great. In 89, I won the World Series by beating Ben Crenshaw in a playoff. Um, that could have been something. That was really special. Um, I bet. And holding the bunker shot in New Orleans on the last hole uh, to beat Norman by one shot. Um I get a lot of uh, recognition even today uh, of that win. We played championship event in Mississippi, and uh, the last two years I've been back there. The the locals there sort of remember, you know, that that event way back in '91 where I hold that shot out of the bunker. Um, so, and then a couple that were really special in South Africa, uh, the million dollar challenges we played there. I uh, I end up winning uh, three of 
1992. And, you know, being being competitive away from home, um, never winning on your home turf, and then going back there, or winning here but not on your home turf, and then going back there and winning in front of your home crowd, you know, beating right. all the visitors and, and the top golfers of the year, um, that um, that was really something special too. Yeah, and and so are are there are there mentors or early influences that you think about in your career that um Yeah. You know who speaking of that uh, million dollar challenge back in I got my first invite, I think it was in eighty six eighty six or eighty seven. Um the tournament started in eighty one when the four guys came over there, Savvy, Johnny Miller, Jack Nicholas and Gary Player. I think those four came over. And um, and then I slept in a hotel room uh, on the floor of a friend of mine because I couldn't afford a hotel room there, and uh, you know just watched these guys play and practice, especially Seve. He was my he would be my idol, right? You know, and and playing so much golf in Europe, I got to know him there in Europe in in the early eighties. So you know he he would have been my my inspiration. In, in all the times that I've played. And then going to Augusta, um, played a bunch of practice rounds with him and just to see the way that he maneuvered the golf ball around the greens was uh, no one did that. No one hit the ball like he did. I got some emails here. I just want to go through one or two here. Uh, first one is from Johannesburg Green 42 from Johannesburg, South Africa. It says, hi, Stu and David. I'm truly enjoying the show. David is an incredible golfer. What are some of David's favorite varietals that he likes to drink other than the ones he produces? Great question. I want to thank Johannesburg Green 42 from Johannesburg for asking that question. Uh, I'd, so, say, I'd say my, my, you know, if I could uh, be really picky, um, my mm-hmm. uh, my favorite wines are older Bordeaux star wines. I prefer okay. the earthiness. Um, I don't like uh, young Cabernets. Um, I prefer the older wines. Okay. I was in a restaurant in uh, in uh, Savannah on Sunday night, and we had a, a we were given a '96 Mouton, and it was nice. uh, fabulous. After I won the, the the restaurant, which is Elizabeth uh, on the 37th, uh, Gary, who's the one of the owners there, gave us a '97 Mouton to drink, and that's the wine that I enjoy most. That's wonderful. I've got another one here. It's, it's from uh, Hong Kong. Um, tea time. Interesting. Um, it says, Stu, you have a great show. I listen before I go to work. Please ask David if he plans on making Pinot Noir. Okay. Well, the, the bad thing about making Pinot Noir where we are in South Africa is a little on the warmer side. If you look at the right. map, I'm in an area called Pal, P-A-R-L, yes. which is a little too far north. The better Pinots in Pinot Noirs in South Africa come from further south, um, South and and east, um, where where the climate is cooler. Okay. Um, back to some of my questions here. Um, so then maybe I should ask uh, the next question: Is what is the biggest challenge uh, in making wine for you? Well, there's not a challenge in making the wine. It's the distribution that's a challenge. Okay. Um, you know, in the states, you need a different wholesaler in every state. Um, that's that's a big the, problem. Uh, the, then the big guys 
you know, they are able to give away a lot more than the little guy. The little guy needs to sort of, you know, make as much as he can from the wines that he produces to keep keep that ball rolling. And, um, you know, the bigger guys, they can, I mean, the high, the guys that do volumes in production, they can give give away so much more to promote their product. So the Absolutely. distribution is the hard part. Making the wine is the easy part. Okay. So here's the question I ask towards the latter part of the show, closer towards, unfortunately, the end of the show as we get closer to that. Um, if you could share a glass of your wine with anyone alive or passed on, who would it be and why? Well, in... Um in ninety, in I think, I think two thousand, about two thousand, two thousand and one, uh, a a man who's a very good friend of a friend of mine in Dallas. Uh, he mm-hmm. was in Dallas. His name was Len Evans. Um, okay. Len Evans was an Australian, uh, actually was a New Zealander really, and then he moved to Australia and he was very instrumental in putting the Australian wines really where they are today. And um, he tried my 98 and 99, and he said to me, yeah, your wines are fine. He says, but what I think you need to do is try and produce 500 cases of a really, really good wine. So you take one hectare of Cab, one hectare of Molo, cut the production down really low, and then blend it with some, you know, Cabernet Franc, Pidiv, Dome, Malbec. So I went ahead and planted some of the other three varietals, uh, I, which I had not had at the time, and uh, went ahead and... Uh, and made 500 cases of this particular blend, which is called the Par Excellence, I called it. David yes. Frost Par Excellence. And the first year I brought it out, it got a 91 points in the wine spectator. So, Good. to answer your question, I would love to have uh, Len Evans, who's since passed away, um, sit down and, and drink a bit of that old stuff with me. That's wonderful. That really is. It's nice. It's a, it's a, it's a great... Um, Tribute in that sense to him and all That's one, and and uh, I've read a couple of books, uh, wine books. I uh, read uh, a very interesting book. I read two interesting books. Um, one was called Wine and War. Yes. Uh, which is which is about the um, the French, uh, the different uh, wine regions in France and what happened during the Second World War. And right. then uh, a book following that I read was. Uh, was the autobiography of the Baron Philippe de Rochelle called, called My Lady Vine. Uh, yeah, and that, was a really, that was a really interesting book. I loved reading it. Yes. There's a lot of good reads. That's one of them, by the way. Um, yeah. So I, I would love to sit down and talk to him if I could, because he was an amazing guy. He was, a, you, know, you know, just the way he grew up in Paris and his father being a, a playwright and, and how he ended up starting Mouton. Well, I tell you, if you drink Opus One, uh, a lot of his expression in wine comes right through it. Yep. Um, yeah. I, I unfortunately, I've I've run out of some time here. I really, really appreciate David you coming on my show, and I would love to have you on again if you would in the future, and so we can talk sure. more about more about golf, more about wine, uh, and, and anything I else. I prefer the wine. Okay, <laughs> I will make it wine then. So well, I want to give out and either way it's fine. I want to give you a website out. It's, it's www.frostwine.com, um, and go there, check it out. Um, I'm sure 
David, that uh, if someone wants to purchase your wine in, in, in various different countries that you have distribution in, they'll be able to do so, uh, and they can find yeah, where you are. I have shipped to you from South Africa. Absolutely. David, thank you so, so much. I appreciate it. Oh, you're it. welcome. And, uh, and, and good luck with, with your the upcoming tours uh, oh. and championships. Uh, and if I may, I'm just thanks, uh, thank you for your support, and, and those listening in, thanks for the support too. Absolutely, absolutely, and we'll keep watching and keep supporting you, and uh, and we're gonna drink your wine too. So great, thanks so okay, much. Good. Have a All the best. Evening. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye-bye. So that was David Frost, pro golfer, PGA uh, golfer extraordinaire, um, fantastic. Uh, Great, great, great uh, winemaker as well. Um, I, I urge you to go to www.frostwine.com. Check out the wines that he has there uh, and see if you can order direct from him. Um, that's the show for tonight. Um, some show notes. Thanks for the great feedback from Twitter, Facebook, uh, social media on my new TV gig, NBC's Miami Nonstop Channel uh, show, The Nonstop Foodies. It launched in May, last May, and my year wine list segments there five days a week at 7.30 p.m. and a variety of different times during the day on Advanced Cable Channel 133 and Comcast Channel 216. I'm very proud of that project. Um, and if you watch and you have a NBC nonstop channel in your city, New York, uh, be it L.A., San Francisco, you can also watch it because now they've um, put them out into the different NBC nonstop channel markets. Keep reading Simply the Best magazine on newsstands all over Florida for my wine articles and reviews. You can also go to my website, www.stewthewineguru.com, and you'll see them listed there as well. Look for my featured wine articles in Mode Lifestyle Magazine. Uh, watch on TV coming to Fox Business News Channel and Ion Network. Um, I'm answering your requests for in-home wine tastings here in South Florida and setting up my schedule to host them as time permits. Keep your requests coming to info at stewthewineguru.com. That's the show. I want to thank everyone who listened in and called in, emailed questions. I want to especially thank my guest, David Frost, for coming on tonight. If you have any questions about the show, you can email them to info at studentwineguru.com. You can go to my website as well at www.studentwineguru.com. Click the link for all my wine articles, videos, and TV shows to listen to. As well, as I always say, if it's time to pour the wine, it's time for Student Wine Guru. Drink up, good night, and good wine. And now on Blog Talk Radio, you're listening to